Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me. Hey. Politically and figuratively. No, I'm not across from you politically. I am far to your right. (laughs) (laughs) And if uh, the surge continues, he's going back in the tent. We've already talked about this. So we ordered some more nitrous oxide to pump into the tent. So he'll be as happy as a clam. On the mark is going to have a guest here. Here and later in the morning, as our uh, half hour progresses, uh, we will allow you to call our guest. It is 1 800 795 9565. You can email us anytime at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. We're glad to say that uh, State Senator Gene Yaw is back. Uh, he's been very busy lately. I wouldn't say a new zeal, but uh, because of his seniority and uh, sliding up into leadership, uh, he's at the front of the tables a lot with a lot more uh, comments that we get to hear and read about. 23rd District State Senator from Williamsport, a Republican, and has uh, been in the State Senate. Complete this. uh, This is a uh, multiple choice. Been in the State Senate how long? 13 years. 13. Okay. Well, super. Former solicitor for the Lycoming County Commissioners. I got to sit in the back row at some of the meetings over which he was helping them with the uh, legal challenges and so on. Very forward-thinking Board of Commissioners at that time. So uh, he was uh, part of that. All right. Well, with that, welcome aboard, sir. Uh, we'll, we'll start out with sort of the state of Harrisburg, this political division that grips the U.S., uh, how gripping and maybe uh, not oh, dysfunctional. it's all peace and love in Harrisburg, isn't it, Gene? Well, <laughs> well, well the Democrats are quieter. You don't hear as much from them. Go ahead. First of all, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Um, yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, uh, we're suffering some of the same problems as you read about that's uh, gone on in Washington. Um, we try and work together. I I, I like to think that the uh, uh, Senate is a little bit more collegial than maybe some of the other the other House, but uh, uh, you never know. A lot of times, and I've been told if uh, their bills come up, it, 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 and it goes both ways. If there's an R after the person the, the sponsor's name, it's not gonna. I don't care what it is, or if there's a D. After the sponsor's name, it's not going to go anywhere. So, I think isn't that, that deserved? Uh, because the, some of the th- things from the Democrats have just been too ultra liberal, just won't fly. Some of the things from Republicans, just too, you know, ultra conservative, uh, just I, I, wouldn't yeah. fly. I, 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 I agree that it, it goes both ways. But that's the old. You know, I hate. The, there's a new concept out there. It's called compromise, and we don't. Get there that often. So, uh, you know, when if if we're not willing to compromise, that's the only way you can get things done, and that's what makes things strong. You take a little bit from both sides, and maybe you get to the middle where we ought to be. 
What have we lost, Gene, from, from not having compromise? Are there any pieces of legislation that really, in your view, should have gone through if there had been bipartisan support and co- collegiality, if you will? Well, I can tell you one right now that, that that's out there that is uh, last summer or last spring we had, uh, both both houses uh, passed and it, it was there was bipartisan support for it uh, we passed a, a a major rewrite of the election laws and it was based on about 20 different hearings and talking to election officials throughout the state as to what happened at the election two years ago and what we should do. Uh, Like I said, it's election officials telling us here where the problems were. And we devised a bill, both the House and the Senate working together, uh, that we thought really addressed virtually every problem that was raised to us and everything that you could think of. Uh, Unfortunately or fortunately, it had a voter ID provision in it. And as a result of that, it, it was uh, the governor vetoed it. Um, that's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater and everything. Now, I understand now the latest kind of rumors going around as well. The governor may be willing to reconsider or think about uh, uh, the voter ID or some kind of an ID uh, that that everybody seems to be, most of the people I talk to seem to be in favor. Well, there was a, a poll on or about his change of mind that said right. basically Everybody wants something right. more than we have. And I think that what we need to do is sit down and talk to him. Uh, you know, to my knowledge right now, nobody has been talking to one another as to what to do. But uh, I, I think that that's a bill that uh, clearly did not uh, go as a result of basically partisanship. Did the pandemic kill that talking? I remember Fred Keller used to sit there when as a House member, the state House member, and say, uh, we met with the governor, we talked about this, he had this, uh, we accepted this that he proposed, and, and likewise he said he'd sign it if, if something had that. But that went away as soon as the pandemic started. It did, and, and, I, and I think that we've become more polarized. Uh, it, it, it's like, uh, I, I still, I don't know, maybe it's like tilting at windmills but I still try and work with the governor's office. And uh, I I talked to the governor's office a couple of days ago about a bill of mine that's running, and maybe we can reach some compromise that it will go through. Let's talk about reapportionment, because that's the big elephant in the room these days in Harrisburg. Um, you satisfied with the senatorial map? What about the House map? What about the congressional? <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll stick up for myself and everything and say I, I, I'm pretty satisfied with my own map, with the senatorial map. Now, w- what it is, I'm going to lose part of Susquehanna County, but if you know where Susquehanna County is, it's closer to Binghamton, New York than anywhere else. From my home or from Williamsport, it takes me over two hours to get there. So it, And I go through five counties to get there. So there is no direct route. And uh, the plan that I've seen for me is that I would first of all I have to gain about five thousand people. I've lo- my area has lost population, 
So I need to pick up about 5000 and the way that it's proposed to do that is I give up about 40%, the 40% of Susquehanna County that uh, I have, and I will pick up all of Tioga County, which means I probably have the ideal district because according to the standards that are out there and what everybody says, counties should not be split. That's that's a goal, to try not to split them. So I would end up with five full counties, which, I, I mean, that would be ideal if that's the consideration or the, the final determination. With respect to the House, uh, I've <laughs> talked to some of the House members. They're not really happy about the way things have been redesigned and uh, redrawn, but uh, uh, they're, they're working on it. How about con- con- the congressional maps? I guess you get a vote on that in the end, don't you? We do. Yeah, you, okay, so how are, how are they looking? Are we gonna, what, where are we going to lose this seat? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, most likely in the center part of the state somewhere. Uh, the two areas that are very, very strong are both the east and, and the west. Uh, you know, the population in Pennsylvania is shifting to the east. Fortunately or unfortunately, those are a lot of immigrants coming in from New Jersey and New York, too. Well, they've typically tried, if there's somebody retiring, they've typically tried to take that seat out. But we don't have anybody retiring, do we? Uh, I don't. There's somebody that's not running. Um, And and because I know that that was one of the conversations, why don't they take that seat? And I forget the, the, the one. Well, in the congressional districts, you don't have to be from the district, so maybe somebody can, you know, adapt, you know, to oh, that's, German yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, my understanding, and I, I was kind of surprised about that, especially uh, as it relates to the Senate. Uh, you only have to be a resident of the state when you're sworn in. At that moment. Right. But At before that moment. then, you can live in New Jersey. <laughs> you can live in <laughs> California. Or there you go or... with Dr. Oz again. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, who's it? McCormick? McCormick. Right. Uh, he's from he's New York, and, but he's coming back to Bloomsburg or portrays New York himself or Connecticut such. or somewhere. Yeah. Well, Connecticut, he's originally right. from Bloomsburg. Right. Yeah, well, that's what his ads say. You'd never know he's been living out of state forever. So, But, yeah, that's a whole other topic. Okay, so, yeah, that's redistricting. Well, in the state house, I think that's where you're really going to get the furrowed brows. I mean, you have... Uh, you would know Kurt Mosser from the House side. He's losing Montour County, who he has just quintessentially super served, you know, for years and knows everybody there. Yeah, I, I read his comments about that. I know he's not happy about it. And and I think that what Joe Ham uh, from Lycoming County comes way down into Union County now, and uh, I, I I I'm not quite sure what the thinking was when they redrew the House seats. And the draft House map carves Williamsport out of uh, Joe's district? Am am I envisioning this? Joe's district did not include uh, Williamsport. Never did. That's Whelan's, right. Okay, so Gus Whelan's district, but still has that carve out, right? Right. So that's a separate district. It's like a donut hole. Yeah, oh, now, it's, now it really looks like the original gerrymander depiction that started that phrase. Uh, y- yes. <laughs> well, we don't have Goofy being kicked by Donald Duck anymore, do we? Or whatever that 
one was. Not much different. <laughs> it really isn't much different. I mean, it literally is an intact district with a hole in the middle. It does have a contiguous out. There's an exit out the hole to, to the west. But you, you, uh, you know, my one comment about redistricting is everybody says, "Oh, we have to divide up these districts so they're fair and all this." It, it, it overlooks the fact that people of common thought kind of cluster together. Do you ever think about that? I, I mean, it, whether you're Republican or Democrat or independent, or maybe it's rural, uh, those people seem to collect together. And, and I almost get the feeling it's redistricting. It says, no, we have to divide up every district in the state and make them, I, I don't know, 50-50. And I, 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 that goes against the way people live. Well, is the current setup more fair than what we've done in the past? The way the, the way it's structured now. My personal opinion, no. It, it, it maybe I'm really old-fashioned about this, but remember the old phrase used to be "to the victor belong the spoils." Right. And I am not so sure that 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 is wrong because. It, let's say Republicans got in office, they would draw the maps to suit them, and then when they're not out of office, or when they're out of office, the Democrats would would draw the maps to suit them. It, it, it's kind of the comment that I made earlier about compromise. Maybe between these two extremes, it. Maybe it's about right where it should be when all this adjustment goes in, and we try to tinker with things, which I think goes against. Well, which somewhat against do. human nature. Right. The citizens' legislative, that's for House districts. This citizens' legislative proposal that's just out. This is over on the House side, so maybe right. they haven't given them the memo yet, but uh, they want to get rid of they're, they're, It's just in committee, I believe, this idea of getting rid of the legislative uh, commission. That, that, was, that was introduced by, uh, uh, yeah, the state, go- I think state government committee is uh, representative. Um, well, but get rid of that. Was that yeah. Dush? Did, did, no, did Representative that? Grove. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So get rid of that in uh, this legislative apportionment committee, which is like 50-50 plus one, who's t- typically whatever the governor is. That's what that person is. And then uh, – but uh, some sort of a citizen's advisor. I haven't looked deeply into it, but it's uh, nobody with a stakeholder and nobody who's a stakeholder in the legislature, but – they're all appointed by legislators. You can't, so, you can't avoid So who do you know? <laughs> Somewhere. You're <laughs> you know? absolutely right. Somewhere so. along the line, politics gets involved in it. It just depends at what level. All right. So, so we're, we're never really going to find a truly bipartisan um, method to resolve this issue, right? No. I, I don't think so. It's the same way with the – for years we've talked about merit selection of appellate court judges. Well – Who's going to appoint them? Or I mean, that's the way it happens right now. We have uh, if there's a vacancy in the court and it it falls in between a, in election times, the the appointments are made by they're confirmed by the Senate. They're recommended by the governor, which usually ends up in a, in a trade type thing. It, it's like okay, uh, we'll give you. Or from his point of view, we'll give you one de- one Republican in Philadelphia, and I get three Democrats. Well, I mean that's the way it is, and compromise. It, it and it's worked. So that's an area where, and, and, and it is it's compromise and it's political. 
right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'll open up the telephone number if you wish to ask State Senator Gene Yaw a question. 23rd District State Senator. He's losing Susquehanna County at the top of his district under reapportionment, but he'll gain uh, all of Tioga County, So, which is going to be another two-hour drive. Well, not quite two hours to get to the top there. At least you can stay on 15 most of it, right? Well, that, 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 that's the advantage. There you, there you <laughs> have it. up Route 15. Right, so set the cruise at uh, 70 with Lane Holder, and away you go. All right, 1-800-795-9565. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565. Gene Yaws here, State Senator from the 23rd District. Uh, our audience probably doesn't have a tremendous understanding, uh, hasn't been following too closely, at least through our newsroom. Uh, Reggie, this uh, regional gas greenhouse initiative, the governor supports it. It's a compact with, I think, uh, what, uh, half a dozen other states. And the goal to reduce carbon emissions, so carbon-producing power plants would have to pay an extra tax on this, and it's been co- I, 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 even, I love the environment. I call it the cockamamie Reggie plan because I just don't think it would work. It's too broad of a footprint. It doesn't do anything really to promote greenhouse gases other than a tax. I mean, to reduce greenhouse gases other than a tax, which you know may help. But uh, you've been dead set against this, so fill in the blanks on Reggie where I uh, omitted things, and then uh, tell us why it, this isn't a sound policy for Pennsylvania. Well, I wish we had a long time to talk about it, but I, I can tell you, first of all, there are 11 states plus the uh, district, uh, 11 states, I think, District of Columbia is not involved in Reggie, but there are all the states that are friends, like New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Massachusetts, Connecticut, uh, Vermont, all, all the new England states and Democratic friends. I don't know. I'm not sure about okay. that. Maybe right. uh, Maryland has a, a Republican governor. Okay. Um, the uh, idea behind it was to reduce CO2 emissions. Uh, there have been studies done uh, right now that have in- indicated during the first ten years of Reggie, the net savings in uh, CO2 emissions will be less than 1%. Less than 1%. Now, what you're absolutely right. The targeted uh, uh, business is uh, coal-fired electric generation plants. Um, They're not going to be able to compete. They're probably going to go out and most likely go out of business. Uh, that is going to take out literally thousands of jobs. Uh, it's not only the jobs right there, but 
uh, coal-fired power plants, like any power plant, whether it's nuclear or, or whatever, they shut down periodically, like five years or ten years, to be refurbished and uh, new, pro- uh, new uh, equipment put in. Uh, the the trade unions are absolutely against it, uh, Reggie, because all those types of jobs are going to disappear. The other thing that's really interesting about Reggie is all of the reduction in electric generation capacity uh, in Pennsylvania that uh, we lose is going to be picked up by non-Reggie states like West Virginia and Ohio. So what do we gain out of it? I mean, we lose thousands of jobs. We have a less than 1% CO2 reduction. And is it really worth it? Here's the other thing that's really interesting, is the Reggie states, these states that, that the governor wants us to join with, of the most expensive electric rates in the United States, those Reggie, four of the Reggie states are the top four of the most expensive electric electric uh, rates in the state. And actually, if you take it a little bit farther, they occupy eight out of the top ten expensive. Pennsylvania is an energy producer. We generate more energy here in Pennsylvania than what we use. We export it. We're exporting energy to the Reggie states so that they don't have to have any production, and they say, look how clean our air is. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes no our sense. our coal plants are shut down now. Yeah, well, yeah. shutting down the coal plants is another issue, which we talked to, uh, had hearings involving PJM. PJM is the Penn, Jersey, Maryland uh, electric grid uh, they're the ones that uh, control the electricity and make sure that uh, our lights come on uh, when you flip a switch. And uh, PJM has said that Pennsylvania's base load capacity is absolutely critical to the integrity of their grid. And, and um, PJM, I think they have 11 states, 11 or 12 states, plus the District of Columbia. That's their... Uh, generation, uh, what they control. Um, I, I mean, and the other thing with Reggie, if you stop and think about it, it's all based on continuing pollution. If pollution stops, nobody needs to buy these credits. So the whole concept behind Reggie depends on people not being able to meet environmental standards and they have to buy their way out. I, there's just something wrong with this picture. Well, the sounds like it. I mean, the market's already doing this anyway. You well, know, yeah, gas has taken of, over, well, coal's well, gone down. One of the things that's happened in Pennsylvania since 2006, we've had a reduction in CO2 emissions in Pennsylvania of 38%. That, that's without Reggie. Okay. I mean, if we would just... If government would just get out of the way, set some standards, and then get out of the way and let uh, – I have the utmost faith in, in business industry, the workers out there, uh, the trade unions, and everybody who is involved in this. I, I mean, they can accomplish this, and they can do a really good job without the government dictating these things. In the time we have left, I know one of the subjects that's dear to your heart is the opioid crisis. Yes. Where do we stand now with that here in Pennsylvania? What's being done? What should be done? Is it worse or better? 
Well, I think, unfortunately, it's gotten worse. And uh, the latest number I heard was that uh, uh, the overdose deaths last year were over 100,000. And that's the first time it's ever gone over 100,000. I remember four or five years ago when we first started to uh, look at the opioid issue, uh, the death rate was around 70,000 a year, and we thought that was awful. Uh, I think that the pandemic has uh, really enhanced it. I mean, it's caused all kinds of mental problems, and I think, unfortunately, when those problems occur, then people... Uh, unfortunately go to drugs and that uh, it, it is a problem. We intend to have a, another hearing uh, like we did uh, the whole series uh, to pick up on it to find out what some of the problems are now, uh, what the, the state can do. State information is very uh, lacking at this point. Uh, we have all kind of anecdotal stories from various counties that uh, the drug overdose uh, deaths have gone up, but uh, I can't find any particular state numbers, not in the same vein as the COVID-19. There are all kinds of statistics out there on numbers, but uh, we need to work on it, and we intend to do that through the Center for Rural Pennsylvania once again. Well, you have to have your legislative aides get in touch with the coroners. They have individual details. We've talked to Northumberland County. I know uh, the Lycoming County coroner does a super job, and so I'm yeah. sure he's uh, keeping good compilation. Anything else you want to add? We've got a couple of moments left. we got an open mic. We have a, uh energy choice bill out there that uh, is that's in the House right now. Uh, Energy choice is one that that affects all the municipalities, and I got the idea for it from uh, what happened in San Francisco. San Francisco passed an ordinance that said if you build any building or whatever you do, you must use uh, uh, electricity as the source. You cannot use natural gas. My bill just says energy choice. It's up to the customer. Let the customer decide what you want to do. That sounds reasonable to me. Gene, stop by on your way to or from someplace where you have the 90 minutes, and then we'll finish, Reggie, because I know there is a lot more to it. And and I know some of our audience uh, has uh, sort of the other side. We'll probably put some of them to sleep on that issue, too. You're listening to WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe's directly across from me. Mr. Rob's on the other side of the glass. Our toll-free line is open if you wish to call and uh, comment on the redistricting remarks or the fact that Joe didn't say anything about uh, Mr. Yaw's uh, no vote on the radar bill that passed through the state Senate a couple of years ago, so we can talk about that. Uh, we also talked about energy and and uh, how the uh, cockamamie system that the Pennsylvania's in now uh, really is going to hurt coal-fired plants and cost a lot of jobs in coal-fired plants. Maybe natural gas will fill the back door there, but uh, natural gas produces carbon, too, so it is not Reggie-free. So we can talk about that. Of course, President uh, Biden ready now to encourage the U.S. Senate to get rid of the filibuster, at least temporarily. Uh, so that's happening in Washington, D.C., and uh, we 
we got uh, any any another topic to talk about as well. So give us a buzz, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Text us at 70236. Include but the, be sure to include the keyword OTM. OTM. Right, I hear you. I know I you're over you. there. Right. I just uh, wanted to contribute. All right. While you were refilling your beverage there, I, w- <laughs> I mentioned that uh, you didn't mention anything about Gene. Y'all voting no on the radar bill recently. I talked to Gene about it. <laughs> okay. So he apologized? No. Okay. He has, so. he, has a, he has his opinion. All right. Uh, we do have some very brief news headlines here. Thanks to COVID-19 among children, a Valley School District shifting to remote learning for the rest of the week due to COVID concerns. Danville Area School District Superintendent Dr. Ricky Boyle tells WKOK the district will conduct a virtual learning today through next two. Well, they'll be back in class next Tuesday, and they don't have school on Monday, but they will on Tuesday, and they'll be in person, she hopes. She says all extracurricular activities and athletic practices and events will be rescheduled. As for the COVID-19 numbers around here, when we get good news, we pass it along. Hospitalizations locally are down. And uh, ironically, while a lot of times individuals get out of the hospital by getting onto the death list, that was not the case. There have been several individuals released from hospitals lately uh, in in our area and no new deaths reported in the central Susquehanna Valley. And uh, Lawrence is worth this view is not that many cases among kids. Uh, there have been 55 cases in Montour County since August. Uh, in kids, uh, 0 to 4 is the age. Northumberland County had 241 since mid-August. As for adults, Northumberland County has had 1,300 people aged 6 to 18 who had COVID-19. So that uh, leads our region with the largest number of COVID-19 cases among those who are grown-ups. The borough of Lewisburg about to get another emergency siren thanks to some grant money. It's fully funded with our community development block grant and it will consist of four sirens throughout the borough. But it'll give you warnings such as imminent flooding, stay aware, seek high ground. And they'll use the texting and email corollary so that they can send out, of course, emergency messages, but also important messages. The good things are happening in the borough as well. Let you know when things are opening or closing or uh, the important information you need to know uh, using that uh, system in Lewisburg. And finally, from Joe's stomping ground, WHTM-TV is reporting three months after Chambersburg became the 70th and most recent Pennsylvania municipality to specifically prohibit discrimination against gender and sexual minorities. Franklin County's seat and most populous municipality is preparing to repeal its newly anti-discrimination ordinance. The move comes after a dramatic change in the composition of the Borough Council following the November election from a veto-proof Democratic majority uh, to a 73 Republican majority. What's that tell you? It well, tells you that the voters of Chambersburg decided they didn't want that type of legislation. Oh, that, it was just that one thing the it's Borough the first did. Thing first thing they did, it was the first thing they did at the first meeting where they reorganized. I think they finally realized that they had their Republican county, but they had a Democratic majority on the city council. No, it was, it was, it's fluctuated over the years. When right. I was on council, it was a Republican majority, but it was six to four. Okay. And then I, there was a time when it was five to five. <laughs> 
Well, and I think part of that, too, is Doug Mastriano stirring things up, making sure that everybody, using his legislative platform to make sure that everybody knew about this and that this was, if you wanted a clear and present example of what's 100% wrong with the nation right now, Chambersburg Borough Council was it. So, <laughs> uh, no, that helped. I mean, to, to have your state representative, who generally people kind of favor and, you know, respect their opinion. Actually, he's a senator. A state senator. Yeah, yeah thank right. you. Uh, campaigning against some of the Democratic Borough Councilmen, I think that that hurt them so well y'all talked about working with him saying he's a straight shooter on the floor of the senate right. he was just kind of normal under those circumstances but we know him as pretty outgoing we didn't get a chance to ask him about dr oz and doug and no, Jake Carmen and we, all the we rest didn't. of them well it was so. too short a time well yeah we'll bring uh, we're going to submit a couple of dates to when um senator y'all can come back and maybe even do a co-host situation or come on a friday when ben is here when we tend to focus on singular issues a little bit more get into the uh, energy conversation, get into other topics. Ben, send us a note, incidentally, since uh, he has a memory, and you and I don't, saying one of the retiring uh, U.S. congressmen is uh, Congressman Doyle, and then Connor Lamb out in western Pennsylvania is running for U.S. Senate Senate now, so he'll give up his seat. So there's some folks that'll be, there'll be open seats. Actually, he he can run. He could run for both offices. Right, he can do. So can Jake. Jake Corman could run. They uh, just have to resign if uh, they win the other one. Well, that's what Doug Mastriano is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, staying on board. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We would just love to hear from you and uh, give us a buzz. Again, we talked about Reggie Energy. Uh, does no one cares about it? Is that is that true? Well, I don't know. I think that Senator Yaw makes some excellent points about uh, you know what, what, what its is. impact is going to be on Pennsylvania right. if the governor succeeds in getting it put through. I mean, I'm just hearing. One side of it, I'm one of those people. Gene said after after we were off the air that he he'll go to a uh, speak it in some place and he'll ask the audience how many have ever heard of Reggie and he said maybe he'll get three or four people, and I had to admit that until you guys brought it up this morning, I hadn't heard about okay. it. And I read four newspapers a day. Well, yeah, shame on us. Well, and I think when it gets to a big pivotal point where something changes, AP or WHTM, which covers Harrisburg pretty extensively, they do an article, but that doesn't mean you're going to click on it and read it or do whatever. Well, the big thing is I think Pennsylvanians right now are more up in the air and concerned about the reapportionment, which is why I asked the senator that question, because they want to know who's going to be representing them, what their district is going to look like, whether or not they will have enough political pull, if you will, to get things accomplished for their area based on who's representing it. You know, these are concerns that you really have to live with every day. And I, I know, for example, um, one of the things, I mean, you call it a benefit or you could call it a detriment, but uh, in one map, and I think it's the one that is gaining credence, is that uh, Linda Culver will lose Shemokin Dam and Monroe Township, and it will go to Dave, uh, Dave Rowe. Um, you know, so on one hand, you have all Snyder County in one district, and that's pretty good. On the other hand, we lose uh, a representative who has more seniority in Shemokin Dam and in um, uh, Monroe Township. Well, so knows those territories really well. Well, so I'm sure Dave knows yeah, them, look, too. Look at Cong- uh, yeah, look at Congressman Mosser. <laughs> and Freudian slip. You're running maybe. him for higher <laughs> office. Yes. And look at uh, Representative Mosser in Montour County. I mean, he you know, lived, breathes, and dies Montour County and North Emily County. I mean, he super serves all of his district. But uh, I, I've been to a half a dozen functions in Montour County, and he's there as the state representative. So you hate to lose that Well, tie. Kurt's a great representative, and I'm sure... So he'll serve the other areas that 
that he will gain will be thrilled to have him. Going south. His district is getting nudged to the south. All right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Anything on the screen you wish to read before we get to the phone? Uh, this is from yesterday, and since he's on the line now, uh, Chris, all BLM riots and looting were caused by people who did not support BLM? Signed, Rob. I'm not certain I understand the point there. And you? I don't know. Maybe Chris makes sense to Chris, who's on the line. Thank you for calling in, sir. Yeah, I don't think I mentioned BLM at all, but it okay. uh, might r- relate indirectly to something I said. Okay. I don't know right. how exactly, but... You're going to compliment be. Republicans today? Oh, just uh, just uh, what they did that the other five states, other five states that were controversial in the election did not do. They all passed uh, and sent out uh, forged documents about uh, a second set of electors for uh, that they sent to uh, the the House and the, they sent to the, the the U.S. government that were false election electors. They were phony election uh, sets of electors that they uh, sent out, and they're being investigated for fraud. Mail fraud. Of that in one state, maybe two, and but they all did the same thing. And they were all kind of copied from each other, as if uh, somebody dictated it from the White House. <laughs> and the Repub- <laughs> and, uh, and uh, one admitted it was directed by uh, by by such people. Okay. They suggested to them to do it, and they were fraudulent, and they might be convicted for it. Who knows? But the Pennsylvania ones of phony electors they sent in were with the provision that if the if it was determined that they said if if the if the election if the election results were found to be false and fraudulent then these are our, our, our electors while the others just claimed that they were electors Okay. So what? what a, college. So uh, w- that's what they sent to Washington. Yeah, they sent it to uh, they sent it to Congress and uh, the other uh, and the election authorities for uh, for uh, so it looked uh, affirming if... they were they were the uh, true electors okay. of of the state. <laughs> now the, the Republicans in the in in Pennsylvania actually added that if. Clause. So that's not exactly fraudulent the way they 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 phrased it. The I doubt that anybody that they were the electors. I doubt that anybody will wind up being prosecuted for it because it's not the first time we've had dueling sets of electors presented in the states and presidential yeah, but this elections. Was a fake slate. No one voted on these. Are one hundred percent fake? Well, <laughs> some of the other ones yeah. have been pretty fake oh, too. These, okay. were, these were these were these were definitely fakes. <laughs> So there was a conspiracy for a coup 
is basically that's part of the uh, the coup conspiracy. Right. Yeah, we always think that this the the attack on the U.S. Capitol was just this incidental thing where people got out of control. But there's a hundred things that happened in advance, and the president was in on them. His people were in on them. And and there were also Republicans who uh, sent somebody to try to get a Georgia woman to confess that she had that she had illegally affirmed the the Democratic electors and tried to make her think she was going to jail for it. So this, was all, this was all organized. <laughs> More left-wing the conspiracy House. theory. Oh, it's all the uh, the White House was right up there. Yeah, they were organizing all of this. Wow, they were in on it. That's well, they a, were. They were. They, 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 one, one state admitted it. And right. also, uh, the electors they, they sent in, uh, each state had uh, people who, who, of the five states, other five states, they all had electors that weren't on the weren't electors for Trump because they had refused to go along with it and didn't want to be part of it, and so they just substituted other Republicans' names. Okay. All right, you got another even Trump electors. Another thirty seconds. Go ahead. We got a caller waiting. Go ahead. Well, it's it's part of it. Shows you how real this coup attempt was. Right. What well, it shows. Read any of the books about President Trump's last year and now office. it's gone from an insurrection to a coup, a coup d'état. He had a hundred different ways yeah, that he hoped to do this. Yeah, you can make fun of it, Joe, but it was a real thing, and it came very close to working. It was a riot. I, I think that you know, well, that was a riot. The yeah, president that was a riot. The, uh, the sending in the electors and trying to pressure people to admit. Uh, the, but there are legal they, processes they down on on January third or fifth. The legal processes. To to get this woman I realize to, uh, you don't want to listen, but the legal the confession. legal processes that Thank are in you, place. Chris. Thanks for calling in. The legal <laughs> processes that are in place prevented anything bad from happening. So that's what this country is about: laws. And you can try to subvert them, you can try to circumvent them, but in the end, the law will prevail. All right, 1-800-795-9565. The attack on the U.S. Capitol was just one incident, right? This, there's a, th- a million other that things. The White House is up there pulling the strings. The president spoke. Yeah, the president, you and I agreed 30 percent. Now right you're word. changing your mind. You're making it sound like the no, president's listen, up there if, in some nefarious The only reason spot. the president's only 30 percent in my mind, I'm willing to concede that because uh, individuals stood in front of the Capitol, attacked police officers be- through their own free will. That's why they're mostly culpable. I mean, if you told me to go stand out in the middle of Route 15 and I did it, would you be somewhat liable? Well, you know, morally maybe, but it's my own dumb fault. What are you why doing out? I, what are you doing out there why before I, I send you that? out there? Exactly, it's my own dumb fault. So, um, same with the people who got into the Capitol. It's, the, it's their own dumb fault. Right. I know what the law is. I know when I'm breaking it. And if I choose to break right, it, I should suffer had, the consequences. had a dozen other things going on and other ideas, other possibilities. I mean, none of them really got implemented uh, in lockstep. But every, every one of his aides has talked about his interest in doing absolutely positivity, whatever but what could was be he, done but he was trying legally it through or illegally the, he to was overthrow the election. He was trying it through the legal process. He was trying it through the mechanisms already in place through the Constitution. That was one of the ways, absolutely. I mean, he wasn't advocating that we create something entirely new and then adhere to it. Uh, the truth is, he 
was. What? Mark Meadows says that that's one of the things that he wanted to do is what? to come up with a different system of choosing electors as an emergency in the U.S., either because of the pandemic or because of the Capitol riot. But it didn't work. No, it did. he never implemented it. He, he had a dozen ideas, none of and which why, he why is that? With. Because he knew that the courts would never sustain them. Well, I think he realized that his support was one person deep for some of them. And again, that's just my impression. I'm not sure that that's true. Is but this Lawrence's worthless wisdom? It, it, well, no, that, this is definitive. He didn't go through with any of the coup attempts other than the Capitol, you know, the run-up on the And you believe the, the president was trying to orchestrate a coup? He was. I it's think he clear. was trying to it's legally obvious. overturn, to the extent that he could, legally overturn the results of the election. Was that right? What's no, not really. Huh? What's the difference? A coup is, well, I start out with what usually involves weapons. Doesn't have to, though. Does, you could well, do it, with... it usually does. It involves changing the for, the legitimate government mm-hmm. for some other government. What did he do to do that? I think he probably looked, my recollection is he did look into using the military to make sure that the White House and Capitol would be secure and if that they were able to take over. No, he didn't follow through <laughs> with any of them, as near as I can tell. But he was interested in this. That's what Chris was saying he was interested in a coup. It doesn't look like he went through with it. All right, we'll take more comers on this. Folks with a better memory, 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemarket.com. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Hey, there we go. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'd love to hear from you. Stan has been patiently waiting. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Good morning. Uh, I do believe Chris might have his tinfoil hat just a little bit tight this morning. Uh, anyway, I called, but I want to say something here about the, the electoral college and, and the way votes are cast. You know, the state, there are states out in the West that put their uh, popular vote compact together that whoever re- received a co- uh, popular vote would get their uh, the electoral votes from those states. And that's never how it's been in the past. Each state was assigned to the winner of that state. So you talk about Trump wanting to change how electoral you know, the electors are, are selected. Mm, the, the, the Democrats have been doing that for years. That's all. Well, and I think you heard Gene Yaw. Now, he was talking about the state level, but I think the same thing at the national level. You know, everybody can come up with a better system that would tell you how to pick presidents or, you know, deal with things at the governor in the in the state level. But then when they start to look at it, there's so many drawbacks to the fix that the old system is better. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, the founders were pretty smart, weren't they? We should have an electoral 
system, electoral college system in each state also, so that uh, big cities aren't choosing who the governor, all you know, state statewide elected offices like the governor. <laughs> I don't think Philadelphia. You know, that, that would solve a lot of problems. I don't think Philadelphia but, is interested in that. No, I know they're not. So, so that's beside the point. But that would solve a lot of problems in this state and a lot of other states. But as far as Reggie goes, we really do need to hear more about that because it sounds to me like they're trying to destroy the Pennsylvania energy, you know, business, you know, raise the prices for electricity and everything else on the citizens of Pennsylvania. And I'm assuming that to get this compact through that the Senate has to approve it. That would seem right. All right, and it's not going to pass. Right. Right. That, <clears throat> at this point, <clears throat> but with, uh, with uh, oh, what do you call it, with the new electoral map that they're drawing up, who knows what could happen in the future. And it's not going to do anything good for the, for the citizens of Pennsylvania to raise energy costs. You know, things are already going up in price, and we want to do this. And, and to gain what? No reduction or very little reduction of any type of carbon output. Well, particularly since the uh, <laughs> private industry is working on this every single day to reduce costs and to produce, you know, they have to pay uh, to produce, to, to mine coal, to <laughs> ship it and to burn it and to, you know, reduce the pollution as much as they do. So uh, this has already been underway. Yeah, yeah, DEP says Reggie's not in effect yet, and it has been held up in the state Senate, but other states are going through with their aspects of it. And what's it doing to these other states? Raising their prices well, to the consumer, correct? wouldn't lower anybody's uh, prices right. under That's, any circumstance. So, as usual, once the government gets involved, <laughs> the people are screwed, plain well, and simple. You know, the goal is to... to really move fast to reduce greenhouse gases, but uh, greenhouse gases. I think, you know, the private industry is already interested in it. There's no way to produce electricity that's more expensive than using a fossil fuel. You know, they would be interested in using more natural gas now. Uh, nuclear power doesn't seem like a viable option under that circumstance, or using more solar or wind, or, you know, if hydroelectric could be approved. I don't think you're going to see any hydroelectric uh, plants anytime soon. So so they want to replace everything with alternatives. But nuclear is not on the table because you never hear anything about building new new plants. They want to remove the coal-fired plants from the system and maybe gas for a while until, I don't know to what, because the wind and solar will never, ever replace what uh, fossil fuels produce. Cost of a new nuclear power plant. Uh, PPL started to do that, and I think they said it was a trillion dollars or something. Um, well, I, they examined it and then gave it up. I think they they need to work on new technology for new plants, which my understanding they have around the world, not here, because it, we're afraid of nuclear power for whatever reason. I don't know. Well, I don't think so. But, but anyway, nine billion is what PPL said, and that was almost ten years ago. That conversation mm-hmm. was had, but they're not pursuing it anymore. Right, yeah, I know, I understand it's a lot of money because of the regulations and all this stuff. And the equipment that goes in it isn't cheap, can't be. It has to be built the way it has to be built to protect everybody. And that's understandable. <clears throat> but they never talk about it. But they they want to decommission all these coal-fired plants, maybe put in some new gas-fired plants, and then replace everything else with solar and wind. Not going to happen. Well, <laughs> and, 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 they, and it doesn't, solar and wind can't produce enough electricity 
to do what they want to do. First of all, they want to get everybody out of gas-powered cars, correct, and put everybody in electric cars and trucks and whatever. Well, they need to be charged from something. So if you're going to add all that extra stress onto the grid and power requirements, you need more energy to put into the grid to take care of it, correct? Yep. And we're not looking at that. (laughs) They're looking at reducing it. Well, we have, so somewhere in there, something's not making sense, is, does it? Nope. We're, we're, we're at this uh, transition period where we still need coal. Uh, we still, uh, the Holtwood and uh, Stan named the other hydroelectric dam on the Susquehanna River, Bruner Island. Well, there is one. Still, you know, making uh, electricity down there. So, um, yeah, so, so Susquehanna Steam Power Plant up in Berwick. They're still making nuclear. Nuke. And the Montour Steam Electric Station plugging away still with coal. So Well, I'm not sure they are. Oh, you think they're <laughs> I'm not offline. sure if they're up right now or not. They're down some more they're down more than they're up. I, and I'm not sure that's a PPL decision. Okay. Or I guess it's talent energy now. <laughs> they don't run all the time out there. Well, listen, Stan, we got to go. Dale wants to set us straight on China. So, uh, <laughs> China's a clear <laughs> present danger to the United States of America. That's all Thanks. You Have a great day. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, sir. All right. 1 800 795 We're talking energy, uh, alternative forms of fuel, coal energy, Montour Steam Electric Station in a transition phase right now. Uh, PPLs, uh, well, I guess it's a consortium that owns the, the Susquehanna Steam Electric Station. They're still plugging away. 1 800 at 795-9565 is our telephone number. We'd love to hear from you. We will be right back. Welcome back to On the Mark. Joe McGranahan, Mark Lawrence, 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemark at wkok.com. Text us at 70236. Put in the key phrase OTM before you type your message, and we'll get it. All right. One of our good listeners sets us straight, says Talon Energy is the owner of the power plants locally that used to be PPL. PPL is the distributor of the power. Talon's the producer. And then they flick me on the forehead, I'm sure. As well, you should be right. Well, on the you know all those changes. It's uh, uh, maybe it's still the same thing, sort of deep down kind of thing. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Mister Dale has been uh, very patiently waiting. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Yeah, I just want to wonder why no one's talking about the thorium reactors they're building in China. The what? Because Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Basically, our government gave Bill Gates the patent to build these thorium reactors, but he's built them in China, 20 of them. And, and they produce one kilowatt, which would supply a 1,000 homes with electricity. And it's dirt cheap, and it's no waste. And it's, it's China's, China's going to mostly put it now on the call for the United States once Bill, Bill Gates and all of our elected officials invest in this. It's called thorium reactors. How do you it's spell that? T-H-O-R-I-U-M. Yeah, it was supposed to be for United States. It was supposed to be our next energy, but apparently, our elected officials and the bureaucratic system sold it to China. Now we're just going to our energy price. We ain't gonna have no energy to sell to anybody pretty soon. China's got it, and it's our bureaucrats who are investing in these uh, power plants. Twenty of them in China, and plus India got three of them built. So. I'm wondering why, if, if it's American technology, why they're not putting it in this country. Because it's all about slavery. They're going to keep taxing us. What's the Bar it, Association it role in this? I did look it up. It's American technology, but our government gave 
uh, technology to Bill Gates, which he don't pay taxes, and now he's taking it over to China and letting China have these power plants. It's sick. It's sick. The bureaucratic system is broken. Well, you do, you do seem it's to have a point. It's 100% better than nuclear. But the plants can't melt down. That's one yeah. reason they can't melt down. Yes. The three tragedies that happened in uh, Long Island and Japan and Russia, they would have never happened if they used thorium. But it <clears throat> seems like the American bureaucrats want to keep making money off the mindless people. <clears throat> they took, stole our technology, our our elected officials, and they're selling it to a foreign country. What's the Let's bar association? Country. Let's call it a communist country to selling it to. Dale, because what's the bar association bureaucracy. role in this? Well, look at the FBI. They're 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 the ones who caused the, uh, January sixth. I mean, with that app, that 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 one guy. I mean, FBI. That the whole integrity of our government is trashed. Only ones I have a little integrity for our military. I don't understand why our military is not stepping in and locking these bureaucrats up. Bozos. It's, it's, Go ahead and say it. Yeah, it, it's it's so bad. It's, it's pathetic. <laughs> and then next thing you know, people are going to go to the polls. Republican, Democrat, you guys got it. Yeah. Man, you <laughs> got to be kidding me. <laughs> All right, thank yeah. you so much, but Dale. You have, no. you have a good point, Dale. Uh, thorium reactors are something we don't hear thank much you, about Dale. in the United thank States, you. and uh, they are certainly considered to be a reasonable source of energy. It's a real deal, eh? Appears to be. All right. Bob, thanks for calling in. You're next up. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. Um as far as I'm concerned, everybody remembers back in 1974, 75, when we almost had the three-mile island meltdown. Could have wiped out people for hundreds of miles. You know, that's something for people to consider. But um, as far as the coal ash goes, there's so much toxicity goes out in water that people don't understand. It's, you know, mercury, arsenic, and other heavy metals. And you know, those uh, ash pits up there in Smoking Dam, are they uh, the kind that are leaking, or are they covered where they can't leak? There is a, um, uh, what do you call it, a uh, system in place to drain them. Uh, fortunately, they haven't drained as fast, which is why we weren't able to build the bypass over it. But there is a system in place that safely drains them. And so there's like a filtration system or something like that, that the water doesn't get contaminated? As far as I understand it, it is treated, yes. Okay, and the Hummel station over there is going, to, they're trying to go from 1,000 hours to 5,000 hours. Uh, wasn't there like a contract written up when they first opened up that what they could and couldn't do? Nope. They, they have to uh, get permissions from the Public right. Utility Commission to do what they want to do, and they have to meet environmental standards just like anybody else would. And they're not 24-7? No, they are. They're trying to increase the amount of electricity they generate, and that will require that the gas be put down under pressure. Right now it's not pressurized, but they would have to pressurize it in order to get more gas into the plant. Okay. That would allow the same pipeline to, uh, you know, more effectively produce more energy. But at the same time, it's well within the parameters of the design of the pipeline. Okay. All so right. the people in our area aren't going to, you know, get anything out of them being able to do this? Well, you've well, you got to get more power. And more people will work at the power plant. No, I don't know that it will well, create more yeah, jobs. Well, yeah, but, like, no, no oh, reduced yeah, rates or anything like that? Huh? You know, like... I said no, no reduced rates or anything for people around here. Like, isn't that going to take more water from the river? 
No, they have a permit like everybody else. You get a permit to how much water you may take from the river. And if you need to change that, you have to go back and get your permit modified. Even the Burr-Shimokin Dam, we got our water from the river. Uh, we have a permit that require, that it permits us to take a certain amount of water. And actually, in some regards, the borough provides water to the power plant. Not all of it, but some of it. Okay, and the other thing I'm upset about is the way people are talking, you know, about the coronavirus. Um, they're saying, you know, not going to the hospital, you know, if you're diabetic or other illnesses. Well, those are chosen illnesses, not like this virus that's invisible. You just walk into it and you can get it. I mean, it's not like you can look at something and see it and... I was upset yesterday when people were saying about, you know, don't go to the hospital if you're you're overweight or you have this or that. That's a chosen illness. We're not choosing to go out and get the coronavirus. And as far as I'm concerned, if you don't get the vaccine, which you don't want to call it the vaccine, that's fine because everything has to have a booster because of different variants. Um, it's it's. I mean, it's your choice to, to get it or not, but you're you're actually hurting yourself and your family if you're not going to get it. All right. Okay, fair We're enough. Go. Thank you so much, Bob. Thanks Appreciate for calling it, in. Thanks Thank for you. being a great listener. Day. Tom, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, I know a lot of attention goes to COVID and the environment and the like, but if you uh, oh, uh, get a copy of today's Shemokin news item, you'll see what hits home. Uh, the opioid up epidemic uh, was identified uh, as causing, well, fentanyl is causing 70% of the deaths, accidental over deaths. I don't know how they, uh, distinguish between accident and, uh, and what may be intentional overdose deaths in our county in 2020, Northumberland County. Uh, if they're, they're supposed to be a positive thing to this. They got a $635,000 grant our county did to fight this, uh, uh, this scourge. Uh, the state trend is the same, it says. Seventy percent of the deaths are fentanyl. And again, the majority of this we know is coming over our border, in the Mexican border, coming from China directly, and tacitly, if not directly, uh, has been approved by our government. Uh, because our border guards are overwhelmed, just uh, catching babies and people drowning in rivers and, and, and running. Uh, there's a second article then that talks about the attorney general. You know, our state just joined to get uh, a bundle of money from the uh, drug companies uh, who oversold their uh, opioids. So uh, we're going to be getting money fighting something that, unless we stop where it started, uh, is going to continue. And uh, it, to me, it, it hits home directly because I think we all know uh, how many uh, of, of some young person who has died from it. Well, and I think our government has uh, tacitly endorsed this for decades, a half a century. You know, no uh, Congress or president has ever done anything to slow down the drug trade. So well, you forget we had a war on drugs. And the American demand, well, Nancy Reagan notwithstanding, everybody else, you know, thought it was okay. Do you remember Just Say No? <laughs> right. And that didn't work. Strangely enough. I agree with you. We always had a war on drugs, and, and you know, the drugs changed. But right now... Uh, the number of deaths caused by a very small amount of a drug called fentanyl is directly related to the porousness of our border. And, and, and that doesn't stop. And it contributes not only to the deaths, that, which are local, right here at home, 
but how many assaults and shootings and overwhelming our police? How many times do you read that? That you know they stop somebody and there's drugs. Uh, they stop somebody and there's drugs. And and what happens next? A burglary or shooting? Uh, we've had enough of murders in our county related to that. Uh, it, it, I just don't know when or if people are going to stand up and say, this has got to stop. It's almost like madness. Well, then there's also... And then there's one last article, if, I, if you don't find. The Justice Department has, is developing a unit for domestic terrorism. So our, our resources are going to go after horned invaders of the Capitol. Uh, they may go after parents <laughs> who, uh, who want their kids in school or Catholic kids who oppose abortion, but they're not going to fight the drug battle. Well, we wouldn't want to seal up the border. There's supposedly a lot of Democratic voters coming over the border, right? Well, potential Democratic voters. Right, future Democratic voters, right. All right. With, nope. with fentanyl. With fentanyl. With drugs. Right. Well, bear in, in mind best. that, you know, fentanyl is certainly a dangerous drug if left unregulated, but it also <laughs> has a great therapeutic value for, for pain. Have you used fentanyl? No, but a I lot? mean, if they—that's typically one of the drugs that's administered in the event of extreme pain. So, you know, it's like anything else. It's not necessarily all bad. It's all bad when it's misused and abused. All right. No. no Same t- with alcohol. All right. You got that? Thank you. Good to know. That's for Lance. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tom. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, good, Tom. Good point. Yep. Another, another, thank you. another your issue call. we're ignoring, whether it's border security or the drug trade or uh, the war on domestic terror, we're ignoring a wide range of significant issues. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We would love to hear from you today. 1-800-795-9565 is the telephone number. You can email us at on the market, and text us at 70236. Got a few minutes left, so it'll have to be a speedy dialer. I want to tell you about the Ford Broncos. Now, now I've driven two. Uh, I was in the Broncos Sport that uh, they brought, Sunbury Motor Company brought up here, so I got to sit in that. But now I've driven around in the wild track. Have you seen this, Joe? It comes with 30-inch tires. It's the lift no, kit's already on it. It's, and it's a wonderful way to go about this. Now, it's less than 50 grand, but it's totally tricked out with everything you need to go just right off the lot and off-road, straight up the pile, straight up the mountain. And uh, it is the perfect vehicle for camping. has a little bit shorter wheelbase, so it's probably not going to be as good on the interstate, but uh, comes with a 6-inch lift already on it, 30-inch tires. It's ready to go. And of course, it isn't as though you put a lift kit on it. All the safety equipment, all the backup sensor, everything you need to know that keep you 100% safe and all the technology still connected. So uh, the Wild Track Bronco, I got to drive it around here. It's It seems like it'd be a little top-heavy, but it has electronic stabilization, so it should be pretty good. And I'll tell you, if you go to a stop sign, you're going too fast, it says slow down now because there's a stop sign coming up. It kind of knows everything. So Bronco Wild Wild Track 2022, uh, and they still, Sunbury Motor Company still has some first editions uh, that they can get a hold of, too. Those are the really super luxurious uh, Broncos that help celebrate the restart of the Bronco sales in the U.S., so some of those are still available. That's with every, every, everything in the whole vehicle is leather. The engine is leather. The tires are leather. It's fantastic. You'll enjoy it. Leather Sun- tires? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Sunbury Motor Company, sunburymotors.com. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing, 
They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. That as well. Right, 1-800-797. Is the bike on? Are yes, on the it is now. Well, you got your work cut out for you one, there, buddy. 1-800-795-9565. John's waiting from Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania. Good morning, sir. Set us straight. Morning, John. Superior Good intellect. Morning. Please, get uh, right ahead. I saw a report that came out a couple of days ago. It's from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Uh, it's part of the U.S. Department of Commerce, in case you're not a connoisseur of the deep state. But uh, nevertheless, uh, it uh, it talked about the cost of uh, national uh, uh, natural disasters, um, and uh, in the United States, and the five-year annual average has been 121.3 billion um, over the last five years, and that's for hurricanes, uh, droughts, uh, fires, uh, uh, all manner of natural uh, disasters in the U.S. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And since 1980, um, the actual cost has been $1.8 trillion that we've spent uh, responding to uh, 285 events. So, um, and that reminded me, there's, a, uh, uh, there's an economist, his name's William Nordhaus. Uh, he teaches at Yale, um, uh, and he won the Nobel Prize in um, uh, economics in relation to uh, climate um, studies. And his basic thesis is interesting. It's just it's it's pretty simple. That you can imagine a graph that if you do nothing about climate, right, you spend zero dollars on climate change mitigation, alternate uh, energies, etc. Then, as time goes on, the cost per year that you're going to pay as a result of climate warming and change, that number is going to keep going up because there's going to be more fires, more hurricanes, more devastating hurricanes, more all of that. So if you do nothing, the cost per year keeps going up. And then uh, alternatively, if you were to try to stop all climate uh, uh, change uh, on, the, on, on a dime, then that's going to cost X amount of money uh, as well. So there's this median where, I don't know, it's a few degrees Celsius where it's reasonable to get to that there's this trade-off between amount spent on uh, natural disaster mitigation because you know we have these natural disasters and you got to you know rebuild houses and roads and uh, etc. and um, investment in alternative uh, energies. So you know the Build Back Better plan had 55 billion earmarked over 10 years, which is like child's play <laughs> compared to the amount we're spending already, you know, just on fixing stuff that gets broken because of what's happening in the climate. So you put those two things together, it's just that, you know, you have, I think it's just reasonable to 
the UK, 50% of their energy is wind-driven already. Yeah, but, John, we, um, we, we believe big lies, so we're, we're not going to do this, you know. We'd yeah. rather enjoy a big lie and tax our great-great-grandchildren than we would do actually attack a, a, an existential issue like climate. Sorry. Yeah, uh, and of course. Uh, you face this every day. <laughs> and the National Oceanic uh, and Atmospheric Administration is part of the deep state, of course, so that's got to be... Uh, <laughs> there be you crazy. go. Right. <laughs> that's right. Happy to hear you recognize that. Yeah, Joe's happy you recognize <laughs> that finally. All right, John, we got to well, hit the road, right. but thank Thanks you so much. Yeah, Thanks well, for calling in. Very much appreciate it. Oh, that, that, here we go. An, Here's the last un- word on climate. Go ahead, Joe. That's an unknowable. Oh. That that's going to raise the cost. In other words, what what is the cost of doing something? What is it? What is it you think that figure, scientists let me ask, do? Let me say this: What is the cost of deciding what is the most important thing to do and addressing that instead of this broad brushstroke? We need uh, we need wind. We need solar. We can't produce enough wind and solar to make it practical anytime soon. But let's talk about what we can do to make the the energy we do have safer, cleaner, and more effective. Just. You're 100% right, except you forgot one thing. You didn't start out by saying, I don't understand a thing about what I'm about to say, and then repeat that, and then it will make perfect sense. Well, it makes perfect sense if if you're reasonable. Oh, is that what it is? If you're just a green nut, it doesn't make sense. Is that what it is, a green nut? Okay. You heard it, folks. This is WDKFK Sunbury.